everyone. Hi, friends of the pod. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best. It's another great day to be here and to be alive. And I'm super duper excited about today's episode. I've been waiting to do this episode for like, what, probably a few months now. And it's finally here. And I'm just so pumped. So Welcome. Hi, Mom. How are you? Hi, Michelle. I'm as pumped as you are. It's very exciting. Very exciting, this episode. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Really thrilled. I love it when we have amazing guest speakers and guest authors and guest, guest tremendous human beings. And that's how I feel about this next person that's going to be on our podcast. So I'm so excited. Yeah. So as you guys know, we haven't, we've only had one other guest on the show. And so clearly we're very particular about who we bring on because, you know, we love to bring our our nearest and dearest. And so today we have our dear friend, Yasmin Cheyenne, who's going to be talking about her new book and just life and self-care and just all of the fun things. And I could not be more thrilled that she's taking the time to chat with us today. And if you don't already know her, she's a self-healing educator, author, speaker, and mental wellness advocate who helps people learn how to cultivate daily practices to build healthy, joyful lives. She recently published her book, The Sugar Jar, which we're going to chat about today, which is all about creating boundaries, embracing healing, and enjoying the sweet things in life. So I know our time is precious, so we won't, we won't delay any longer. I think I might just want to add one thing. Okay, just, we will delay a no, little No, just longer. for a second. No, you said it, it, it's true that Yasmin is, is the only the second person we've had because we're really, we are particular, but I think we're also really in alignment with the people who bring on that, that are here to bring the healing and the boundaries and all the great things in life that we're meant to do. And Yasmin is such a beautiful example of that. And her book is extraordinary. True. So true I think that. that's, it, it just makes perfect and beautiful sense for us to welcome Yasmin today. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. Wow. What an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little well, you know my mom. She you. will like, sometimes she'll just talk, talk, talk about you and then you might not get her to stop, which is always nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do get excited. Daughterly about sarcasm. We love it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. I yeah. do get very enthused yeah. about, about human beings and just beautiful souls that are really here to help us grow and learn and become and heal and all of the things mm-hmm. that we need to enjoy the sweet things in life, which is what your book is all about. So I, I could not be more excited. I sometimes cannot be controlled. So Michelle has to read me in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm excited too, because, you know, we had a beautiful chat on IG that I felt like could have been like a personal conversation of, you know, like those convos you have with friends that are like three hours, they were supposed to just come over to like help you do something. And then like four hours later, you've ordered food twice and da da da. So it just kind of felt like that kind of chat that um, so many resonated with, because I think so many people are, have we been going through it? Yeah. <laughs> These 100%. past few years. hundred yeah. percent. We'll link the uh, IG live in the show notes if you want to go back and watch it. But it's so true. I didn't even feel like coming to this recording today that it was, you know, going into work. I was just excited mm-hmm. to talk to my friend Yeah. Um, because we do have such great chats and they're so organic. And oftentimes things that you say and you say are so profound. And I'm just excited that 
now more people will get to experience the wisdom that will come out of. That was the whole point of this podcast was mm-hmm. to like invite people into our little living room chats. So what could be better? Yeah, I love it. I'm so excited. So you just, well, not just because your book came out at the end of December, but mm-hmm. the sugar jar is here. It's out. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of like, I know what the sugar jar means, but like, where did you come up with the topic of, or the idea of the sugar jar and what it really means to you as far as people bringing it into their lives and utilizing the concept of the sugar jar? Yeah. And I love that today is literally a month since the sugar jar came out. So it's like the, the book's first little anniversary. Oh, um, yay. Yeah. I'm a sentimental cancer rising. So you got to be anniversary. <laughs> The sugar jar came to me when I was sitting in my living room overwhelmed because I just had my second child. Um, I had just gone back to work and I was really hopeful that because I had done so much work and I teach boundaries and I really try to practice what I preach that life would be easeful. I completely misunderstood the overwhelm of two children and work and friends and a business. And I was voice noting a friend and I was just sharing with her that I felt like a jar of sugar where people were coming in to access all of the resources, my time, my attention, and that it was just spilling all over the place. There was no care for cleanup. And all my job was to make sure that I had enough for them to keep coming back. There was no lid on my jar. And there was no boundaries in place, which is what the, what the lid is. And so after sharing with her and recognizing that it was a really easy way to get people to realize for themselves, one, how are you giving and participating in unhealthy cycles that aren't serving you? But two, how can you put boundaries in place? Because we feel like, oh, I'm already in this relationship. There's nothing I can do now. I'm already in this commitment now. I have to just finish it. Like, we are not here to suffer through. And I think the sugar dry helps us to realize that we can choose something different, even if it's going to be tough to do. Mm. That's such a perfect message for, well, for us right now, but I think so many other listeners because relationships are so hard and we're, it, I think it's so ingrained in us that we do have to suffer through it and not be able to speak up for ourselves or make changes if things aren't feeling right. And we have to start breaking that, myth down. And I think too, why your book has been so profound for me is that, you know, we've talked a little bit over the past, this last quarter of the year of the struggles that, that I've been going through. I'm going through a a breakup of a marriage of 30 plus years. And so we've talked about some of that on the podcast. And one of the things that Michelle has said to me personally, mom, your boundaries are just weak. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, I've been like you like you said, yes, I've been I've been practicing, I've been doing this for a long time. And it's so it's taken me a while. And then when I read your book when it came out in December, I was like, wow, the lid on my jar has a lot of holes in it. <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> a lot of my energy is leaking out everywhere. And Michelle's mm-hmm. been trying to tell me this. Our other colleagues have been saying this, and I didn't quite get it till I read your book. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's so profound for me in the work that you do and what you wrote in the book is sometimes it's difficult for us to see for ourselves what, what's happening for us, especially if we're in a really, really, I don't know, tough, heartbreaking, suffering, sadness. And you just saying now on the pod, 
we're not meant to suffer through things was so beautiful. And that's kind of how I felt now coming through it. After having read your book, coming out of 2022, I walked into 2023 saying, my word for the year is the new. You know, it's going mm-hmm. to be new. And so you just saying that is is so, so in alignment with how I'm feeling. The suffering is done. I'm not supposed to suffer through life for the rest of my life and probably, probably not as long as I did, but it's all worked out for the best. So one of my favorite, favorite passages in your book, and for all of you listening that have the book, and if you're not, go get it, but is on page 239. And when you talk about this idea of the healing, because I feel like healing is a forever process, which I don't mm-hmm. know if I had that thought before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I did. I get it and it makes perfect sense, but I'm not sure that I had that mindset before. That healing is a forever pos- process and it's not a destination. And then you write, because we're still, we're all still healing. And I thought I was crying when I read this part because I thought that is me. She is talking about me and probably every other human walking the planet. So you really brought in, you really brought in all of humanity when you spoke. And I have goosebumps right now. I just, I love this so much. So page 239, you write, healing takes place in the everyday small ways. We say yes to ourselves. And that really made me cry because I thought there have been so many ways this year that I've not said yes to myself. So I think share with us some some simple ways and some ways that you have experienced and things that you would like to share of, of what it means to say yes to ourselves and how can we do that? Yeah, I think that saying yes to ourselves is one of the one of the hardest things that we'll do because you know that you're most likely going to disappoint someone. Mm. We do not want to disappoint people. The other thing is we don't want to feel the guilt associated with disappointing people. I think that that's actually more true than the disappointment of others. We don't want to feel like bad people. Nobody wants to be called selfish. Nobody wants to be told, you know, that's not how you, you know, we do it in our family or in our culture or, you know, that's you're wrong for that. And so, the easiest thing that I think that helps a lot of us be able to choose ourselves or set boundaries or create space is I love to give the 24 hour rule. I try, unless it's somebody I trust and have a rapport with and I'm like, this is an immediate yes. I don't need to wait 24 hours. But for most folks, I wait 24 hours before I say yes to anything. Even if the email comes through and I'm like, yes, oh my God, I'm excited. I still wait 24 hours because I need to check in and say, do I have space for this? Do I have time for this? Is this in alignment with what I said I want to do this year? And is this for me? And sometimes amazing, exciting things come through. Like I've had amazing opportunities come through that I'm like, this is just not for me. Like Mm -hmm. I am grateful that you think this is for me, whether it be a friend, a family member, business. But I did not sign up for this. And this is not in alignment with what I want. And I think that the the tool or the tip of 24 hours is so powerful because so many people say, I don't know when to set a boundary. I don't know how to advocate for myself. I don't know how to communicate. I'm asking you not to communicate. I'm asking you to say, give me a moment. That sounds wonderful. Let me get back to you. And taking that time to communicate with yourself. So often we're having conversations with people that they, they're not necessarily supposed to be a part of that conversation is supposed to be taking place with ourselves so that we can come to them with the truest version of what we want, desire, or need. But we feel like we need them to agree with our thought process in order for it not to be selfish, for it not to be wrong, for it not to be something that is hurtful or harmful. And 
people are not going to always agree with what we need for ourselves. And when you were saying like um, this new year, you, you chose that word for yourself. I also think it's important to mention too, because I've gotten a lot of DMs about this. A lot of people are already over this year. <laughs> Just started. And they're like, I'm done. This feels like an extension of 2022. And I mean, there's even times during this year where I've been like, well, you know, the lunar new year is the new year. And then I'm like, well, the astrological new year is not yeah. till March. So I could start over again. I think the second thing that I would recommend is giving yourself grace mm. because you're going to make choices sometimes that don't pan out the way you hope. Things are not going to always work out the way you hoped. And knowing that it's going to go wrong sometimes is so freeing not only for recovering perfectionists, people pleasers, codependent folks, but for any human who's trying to do the best that they can and getting scuffed up along the way. So true. It is so true. And you know, why I think why it made me cry when I was reading your book in December about saying yes to myself is I thought I was. It's so it's so mm-hmm. insidious. What you're talking about is so insidious, so it's so important to take that pause. And it wasn't until some of our beautiful colleagues they started asking me, if you say yes to this, are, is this going to make you happy? And mm-hmm. I don't even think I asked myself that question in the past. Am I going to be happy? Is this going to make me happy? And then the other thing about the new year, which is one of the things that came to me after one of my meditations recently, is this. And it's been really helpful because I agree with you. A lot of the people writing into us and just a lot of the people that surrounding us feel like, the year's been really tough and like, like, okay, we're done with this year. Let's go on. I'm like, no, we, we haven't even gotten through January yet. And I wrote this <laughs> yeah. after I came out of one of my meditations that we can become, we can become new any day of the year. Because mm-hmm. the new is so important to me, Michelle. I think I was saying it starting the beginning of the fourth quarter last year. I was like, 2023 is going to be new. Because I just was not going to go through another year of 2022. But we can do that any day of the year. So I was saying that to people you know what, just wake up tomorrow. January 1st can be tomorrow. You know, you can start, Mm -hmm. it's just a mental thing that we do to ourselves. So I am really grateful for all that you have said in this book about the idea that we have to be able to know ourselves and take care of ourselves and how do we do that. And I just love what you said about taking that 24-hour pause and really asking yourself, is this for me? Mm -hmm. That's just... That's a million dollar question. Yeah, we talk so often about the power and the pause, but the way that you just described it Mm -hmm. was just so much better because I think people can really understand when you said that that conversation that you're having when you're making those decisions, the people that are asking it don't need to be involved. It's the conversation that you need to have with yourself or maybe a close, close person in your life if you need like external support. But how often? I mean... It's so powerful that you said you got emails from people that you thought you would have loved to have worked with or opportunities. And the knee jerk reaction is to say, oh my gosh, yes, of course. But even things that we're excited about, we have to pause and just think like, what is in my best interest? What do I have space for? And that's like the real crux of like boundaries is learning mm-hmm. to, to decipher what in this moment in time is going to work for you or for me or for us. I just think that's so good. Go back and listen to that whole piece again. Rewind and come back. (laughs) Absolutely. And I I mean, I know this isn't a business podcast, but I think it's such a good example when 
when you are a small business owner or just a business in general and you get a contract, you get an opportunity and this opportunity is so exciting and you're like, I have to do this. And then you get the contract and the contract sucks. <sighs> and I'm sure you both have been there. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're like, is the edits that I have to make to make this work and the lawyer fees I have to pay for this even worse? The quote unquote bucket list that I have to work with this company, this brand, and and then knowing that you may have to walk away. And I'm using this as an example. You may not be in business. It might be, I thought that this was my dream partner. And mm-hmm. it turns out there are some things about the way they show up that they're not willing to change. And I'm not willing to betray myself in order to make this quote unquote fantasy that is not in alignment with everything I want come true. We, we're so often living in fantasy world. Like, oh, my bucket list, what I want to do. And I, and I want us to make our dreams come true. And also, we have to bring a little bit of, like, reality and compassionate honesty and truth to the table and ask ourselves the opportunities, the people, the experiences that I want to bring into my life. When they come into my life, it doesn't mean that it has to be an absolute yes because, we're so sometimes we're so jaded by the fact like oh my god they chose me Mm. they see me so I should just say yes to this and it's really a question of yes I'm worthy of being seen and also in my fullness with my boundaries with my needs with my desires I don't have to settle just because they see me and this goes for partnerships jobs friendships it's hard to think that because a lot of us are incredibly lonely A lot of us really just want to belong and we've been taught to fit in since probably five. So learning to be your quirky, weird, you know, out there self, like when you were talking about the Starburst recently, like, yeah, stand (laughs) firm in that yellow, right? It's okay if the rest of us think pink is better, but like really owning that, that's what life's about. It's not about, just trying to follow the crowd, but that's the hardest thing to do because you may not have the numbers and people, but you will have the people who see you, love you and respect you. And that's what we should be going for. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. I just want to, I just want to hug gonna you. Cry. I wish you were right cry. here right now because you, I'm so happy you brought that to relationships as well. Cause everything that you said about business is relationships as well. Yes. How often yeah. do we abandon ourselves because we can't believe this person that we admire or whoever they are and, and wherever, whoever they are, wherever we are, that they paid attention to us and they like us. Yeah. And we talk about worthiness so often in this podcast and it's like, we're always worthy of all of those things. And sometimes when opportunities or people or circumstances come in, it's like we drop that sense mm-hmm. of worthiness and are just like, I'll take what I can get because who knows when I'm going to get it again mm-hmm. or whatever that might be. And we say yes to things or to people that we, that might not be in our own best interest. So that's such a powerful reminder. And yeah, the Starburst conversation, that conversation, if you're, if you don't follow us on social media, I recently discovered that my mother is a red Starburst fan. (laughs) That's blasphemy, but, or I thought it was blasphemy until we took it to the internet. Yeah. And nope. I pulled, and there are many red lovers. I'm not as weird as you thought. Shocking. Yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, 
the box cutter is what shocked me. <laughs> People were a little concerned about that. And I was saying, I was, I was scared. I was saying yesterday when Michelle was telling me this, I looked at some of the comments. I, you know, and this is let's move to the podcast and what we're here for in the episode. But I, I, I spent thirty years of my life. Oh, in, this is good. In heavy duty business, heavy duty business mm, of McDonald's. McDonald's. I didn't know if I went uh, McDonald's, oh, and so I walked really? around. Yeah, and I was. You know, I go way, way back when Ray Kroc was. And so Ray Kroc, I was in the Chicago area. So you had to have your boxes with the lids cut off. Everything had to look beautiful. And so I know I worked at McDonald's for like four years. And my dream was to go to McDonald's University. Oh, oh my gosh. We're coming to see you in Virginia. Literally, anyway, my first job was at McDonald's. Anyway, so I want to get back to the sugar jar. Yeah. But I, you had to, you ha I walked around with a box cutter for 30, oh, 30 plus years of my life. So for me, using a box cutter for things that other people may think is a little bit weird is normal. She's a professional user of a box cutter. I so am. do not be afraid if yes. you saw that. No. She will not harm herself. <laughs> so on to the sugar jar. She's like, I'm sorry. I will I know. not harm myself. I no. love it because I love the fun, but she's yeah. like, I don't want to waste any time talking about myself. No. That's, that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I am. And with the sugar, yeah, I want to. Because this is just too good. So pivoting this is too back. special, too. I want everyone to really, this is a special Well, we can also episode. have Yasmin back. Yes, I think we will. I know we will. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have lots of personal questions. We're going to have a really fun personal, personal oh my gosh. relationship. I can, with it, when I come to Florida, yeah. we're going to. We please, oh. please. We have yes. so many things. Yes. There's so many things. Yes. So. What I wanted to talk about is just, I love in the book how much you advocate for access to these healing modalities for all. And I know from my own experience and your experience, mom, that just like meditation, mindfulness, wellness has not always been accessible to everyone. You had to have the funds or the time or the resources to attend the stuff or, you know, just it, it hasn't always been available to all. And I love that, you know, in your book, someone could go pick it up and really have access to these tools in a really simple but meaningful way. So I would love if you could chat more about the importance of having these tools accessible to everyone and what we can do to make, make this accessible for everyone. And then my second part of that question is like, what's your favorite tool right now? I love this. Okay. So the other day, someone just posted on Instagram a picture of my book that they picked up from the library, and I literally cried. I'm so grateful to everyone who buys the book. Please do. But seeing it in a library and with that, like, I don't know if they use the plastic anymore. I, I admittedly have not been to a library in a long time, but um, I think they seeing do. her book. Right? Do they? Yeah. I think. It had the plastic on it, and I, yeah, I'm a library, like, uh, geek, but it was just one of those moments that made me realize this is going to be accessible. People are going to be able to pick it up. You don't have to be able to afford this book to have access to it. It's one of the reasons why I'm sure you too, I share on Instagram every day, free healing tools, not just because I want people to have access to free things, but also the language that I'm using most, some people don't even know what to search for. They've never heard this said before in their homes. Their friends aren't talking about this. Their family isn't talking about this. So it's not just accessibility in terms of financial resources, which is also important, but also 
if no one in your life is healing and maybe you're the first one to do it, what, where do I even begin? So I think it's important to, yes, reading is important. And I think journaling is usually like the first step for a lot of folks. I actually personally never like to recommend journaling because if you're a recovering perfectionist, Mm. what happens is you miss one day of journaling or you didn't do it that morning or you didn't have enough time to do it. And then you tear yourself apart. I think the same thing happens with meditation. I like to think about the first step of wellness being just being self-aware wow, today, okay, this isn't helpful, but today I beat my horn at this guy in the car, not me, but this is an example. I beat the horn at <laughs> this guy in the car who cut me off. And then when he looked at me, I flipped him off. We've all had that moment or we've all maybe not flipped off, but we've all had that moment where we did something on the road or we did something to someone that we didn't mean to do. And then later on, I realized there was a different way that I could have handled that. Actually, that drained me okay, next time I'm going to choose differently. And I think that, and maybe you're not going to have that process of moving through those steps initially, but the first step might be, I just didn't like the way that made me feel. I don't like the way that entire experience made me feel. The reason why I think that's important is because, yes, journaling helps you get it all out. Yes, meditation helps you tune in. But I find that people often get in the way. The tools are often hard for people to commit to because what gets in the way is, am I doing this right? So my favorite meditation, my favorite tool currently actually is meditation. Um, But for a long time, I thought meditation wasn't for me. I would sit down, I'd be thinking about a ton of, and I'm a meditation teacher. So before I was teaching, I was like, I don't get it. I'm not having the aha moment. Um, and then I realized that I was coming to meditation expecting something miraculous to happen when really I was just supposed to be connecting to myself. That was a time, that was time for me to have the thing that I didn't do yesterday to come forward. That was time for me to have the thoughts. I thought that I had to erase them all and kind of be floating above the clouds. And so I say all this to say that I think that my work is to make sure that the language is available for people who don't know what they're looking for, who know they just don't want to live like this anymore, to make it as clear as possible, to be honest with my story so that they can know that they're not alone in what they're going through and finding ways to make all of these tools that are already accessible, meditation, journaling, et cetera, feel like something that you can actually do in real time. I think that's everyone's work. Um, That's one of the things I love about your page you share like three tips or 11 tips or seven tips, it's very digestible. And I think people are looking for something that is, you know, people say, oh, this is easy to read. And yeah, there are beautiful books that like have really large words, but like if folks don't have time to sit down and drink a glass of water, they do not have time to have a dictionary next to them while they're reading your book. You want it to be easy to read. You want people to get it, you know? I got to say something here. Oh no, my gosh. Do you want to? <laughs> no, you can go first. I mean, well, first I just want to say you, like, this is a perfect segue or a perfect uh, um, bringing together your, this is so brilliant. Well, you yeah. like this, this, we had to cut this out and we got to post this everywhere once this podcast comes out. No, once people this episode need to comes listen out. to the podcast. Well, they do, but I mean, <laughs> I would still want it because you are so like the language that you use is brilliant because it does bring you in. You can understand it. You can get it. You can, 
It's so perfect. And I think one of the ways that you show that in the book is you have this section called say it with me. Mm-hmm. You have, you have sections in the books. Like it's almost like the, the takeaways or like at the end, you've got say it with me. And when I first read that, say it with me, it's like, you're not saying here's your to-do list. Here's your one, two, three, four, five. You're saying, come with me. Cause I'm doing this with you. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. I have such goosebumps right now with everything that you just said, because it is so accessible And one of the things, maybe this is what you're going to say, Michelle, I don't want to steal your thunder, but one of the things that we say every single episode, probably five times is awareness is key. And Mm. it's the way I've lived my life is it not to focus on that. I flipped that person off or I cut that person off or I said so many awful things in my mind about that person because they cut me (laughs) off. It is about what did I need to, what did I learn here? And what did I become aware of about myself? How did it make me feel? All the things you just said. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's just amazing. I have so many things I want to say, but I don't want to take up all the time because Yasmin is just like dropping all of the gems. But first of all, I want to thank you for saying what you said about meditation and even just these tools going into it. Because I, I mean, we're clearly like soul sisters from another time. We have like so much in common and we've often chatted. We chat all the time about like all of the things, but that was my experience too. When I first started coming into this sphere of meditation and mindfulness, like I was like, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't this working for me? Because, you know, I'd be in these workshops and people would raise their hands and be like, angels just kiss me on the cheek. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I just sat here like with my eyes closed, which was fine, but like angels weren't coming to kiss me coming to kiss me. <laughs> and I just, I felt that thing of like, wait, what, a, what's wrong with me? Or why isn't this working for me? And that's, I think people's, one of people's biggest barriers is like, they go to do these practices and they sit down and they do them, but like, they're not having those experiences that they think they need to have in order for it to be meaningful when really just mm-hmm. sitting down to do it is a huge step. So I think that's so important for people to know that like whatever your experience is, it's valid and it's meaningful and it's, it's, it's helping you. Let me add one of my first meditation classes that I started teaching, a person showed up and they'd been meditating for a long time and they were brand new and introduced himself to me. He said, I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking for a group. And I said, oh, terrific, sit down. So when it was all over and we were all done after the hour and a half of the discussion and the meditation walked up to me and he said, thank you so much. I appreciate being here, but I won't be back because I didn't have a transcendental experience. And that's what mm. I was looking for. So I really appreciate you allowing me to come, but I won't be back. And I remember when he walked out, I was thinking, I don't, I mean, I know what transcendental is, but I didn't, I'm like, I don't even know what he was thinking that he needed to have. It was so weird. But so I, I agree with Michelle. I think it's so important that people understand what meditation is. And you do a really beautiful job of helping people feel that they can be welcome to it, that they're not doing it wrong. Yeah. The second thing I wanted to say is the way that you talked about the importance of like understanding even what the language around healing is kind of just blew my mind because if you're in this sphere, you know the buzzwords mm-hmm. and the language and you can understand what an Instagram post, even some of the things that we post, like if you're not aware of some of these terms, you might be like, I don't know what they're talking about. And I think that's probably people's biggest barrier because they don't even know a, the language, but b like that there's even a possibility of another way, like with the, 
you know, the traffic and someone cutting you off and flicking you off, like, I think it's ingrained, like, yeah, that's what we do. And then we mm-hmm. feel crazy afterwards or we feel frustrated, but like that self-awareness to, you know, maybe pause before the reaction and being like, oh, I don't need to do that because I'm going to feel bad afterwards. Like, I don't even think people know that there's another way. So like the language and then the awareness is just the way you just described it. Go back and re-listen to it. (laughs) Thank you. Definitely. Yeah, no, I just want to say that I think people think that healing is perfect life, no drama, great friends, great family, everything's great. And it's actually when everything sucks, having the awareness to come to yourself and be kind to yourself while you figure it out. That's what healing looks like to me. Absolutely. And let's take a break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. So I love all of, we love to redefine words on this podcast to make it more accessible to people. But I, I love how you're redefining everything that we've never even thought about redefining because it's how people will get to this place to experience the healing that maybe they don't even know that they want, but like that's just below the surface. Or that they need. Yeah. Because sometimes I've felt like this whole year that oh, I already healed from that. I thought like 25 years ago and it reared its <laughs> head this year during this, during this difficult time. I'm like, oh, wait, I have more healing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always I more think, healing. Um, always more healing and new versions. Yes. I think that's the hardest thing too, especially with divorce. If you're someone who's been divorced, I've been divorced, um, who's listening, it's like everything comes. Childhood stuff is back. you raising your own kids stuff is back. Um, your parents stuff, society stuff. Uh, because society specifically with divorce has so much to say about who you are now that your marriage is ending all of the things that you thought that you worked through that you didn't believe to be true, you question. And so it's, it's one of the hardest things I went through because I really had to choose not to ingest what people were projecting on me about who I was because I was no longer willing to suffer through, push through, or uh, betray myself to even, even the divorce itself. People have, you know, just, do what you have to do to get it signed quickly. What about do what I have to do to make sure that I'm taken care of or do what I have to do to make sure that what I need is also a priority. And so just all of the thoughts that people have around it, it's such an opportunity to choose grace for them and for yourself, practicing forgiveness, perhaps for them and yourself, realizing that there's going to be so much that, you may never get an apology for that. There may never be accountability for learning to walk away with that. It's just such, um, I talk about this in the book, but it was one of those moments that I really realized that, um, we cannot use what society is saying about us as a measure of how well we're doing or what we should be doing. Otherwise we find ourselves 
um, constantly feeling like we're failing when actually we're just living our lives the best way that we need to. I don't know. I don't know what to do about this episode because I'm just <laughs> like going to jump out I'm of so her own so, skin. Over I there. just, I can hardly contain myself. Everything you just said is everything that I've been going through. And I think one of this, the, the most um, difficult things about going through a divorce is exactly what you just ended with other people's opinions, get this done or do this or do that, of course. But then it's our, my, it's been my own thoughts of how I'm handling it because other people are, you know, having their ideas and their suggestions and their comments and all the things. And it wasn't, I mean, I'm feeling really great this year, but it wasn't until yesterday when a good friend of mine said this to me, she said, um, I'm so proud of you and the work that you've done during all of this on acceptance and surrendering. And when I read that, I started to cry a little bit because I thought, wow, damn, I'm doing a really good job here. I'm, I'm handling this really well. This has been, one of, as you said, one of the hardest things that I have been through in an incredibly long time. And I thought, because the first thing somebody said to me when I was, said I was getting divorced, are you sure 32 mm. years is a lifetime? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way, that it's been a lifetime. But yeah, I think it's also what you're saying, because listening to you and reading your book, it's been so eye-opening and just so soothing for me. And what you just said now, that idea that not only are, you know, I say you're doing the best you can, but what, but we're doing even more than the best we can. Mm-hmm. We're really having acceptance for how we are doing without taking in the, you know, the, I don't want to, the word that keeps coming to me, is nonsense because people don't know what we're going through. So it's not a criticism mm-hmm. of them. It's really just, they don't know. And they think that they're saying all the right things, but it's really pure nonsense for us because it doesn't make any sense. It, it can't work for us. And so I think if you could just share a couple more things on how, you know, what are some of the things, what are some of the profound things that you learned having gone through your divorce? And then for people listening that haven't been in that, that arena of divorce, separation or loss Mm -hmm. or transitions or just major, 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 major life changes, because that's, that's the whole thing. We are so we are so averse to change when change is the only constant there is. So there has to be a coming together of change is all there is. And that's the only thing that is actually real and is we can count on, but we really don't, we really don't embrace it very easily sometimes. So if you could just share maybe some of your top things that you learned that really have, have had a profound effect, but also are, I don't want to say easy for us to take in, but make sense. They're not nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> They're really profound. <laughs> They're really things we need to hear. Yeah, I think the number one thing that I took away from divorce uh, specifically was that it wasn't just that what I was going through wasn't just for people who are divorced. So I say what I what I mean is if you haven't been divorced, if you haven't been married and you are single, you are looking for partnership. It doesn't have to be marriage, but some type of committed partnership. The fear of what we are going through is what keeps a lot of people from even entertaining partnership. So this isn't just about divorced folks. This is about folks who are single, who are like, nope, you showed me this sign, you're done. The barriers are closed off. So for anybody who's maybe struggling with in, with partnership because you're afraid of losing it, because nobody goes into marriage or partnership thinking this could end, but it's also the potential fear in the back of our heads. Um, and for those who are actually 
going through the tough part of actually losing it. I think recognizing that nobody's going to know what you need but you, that is so hard. Divorce was a time where I was really, really looking for some non, some serious, not nonsense advice. And people were not able to show up for me the way that I needed them to for a couple of reasons. One, their ideas about the fact that I shouldn't be entertaining divorce. I should just find a way to get through it. That was the biggest one. Two, if it wasn't that, then it was, yes, the marriage is ending, but you've still got time. There's someone else out there. And I was like, I genuinely am just trying to make it through this next court thing. I cannot think about dating right now. Um, And then three, I think the grief. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the grief to last last as long. I felt a lot of shame about the grief, especially because of the way that it was uh, ending. And I felt like I should feel empowered that I'm choosing myself. I should feel empowered that I'm moving on. And actually it was, I feel a little worthless. Um, and I'm struggling with the fact that the loss is impacting me this much. And then, and then I, I'll just add this, I had a child. And so I felt incredibly worried about what I was potentially doing to her by choosing myself. So I'll give this one tip because I just shared a lot. Um, I think the biggest thing that we can do when we're going through divorce is be as kind to ourselves as we can. And I know that sounds incredibly cliche, but what I mean by being kind to ourselves is not picking up that phone call from the person who always gives bad advice. (laughs) It's time to let that person go to voicemail. Um, only eating lunch or having dinners or spending time with people who have said the things that make you feel supported. Being kind to yourself also looks like being a serious advocate for yourself with the person that you've been with like you never have in your life. All the things that you may have let slide, all of the things that you may have never said, this is the time to stand in your truth. And it doesn't mean that you have to be mean. And I had to learn that because I was legitimately angry that I was going through this. And also I was learning that I can stand up for myself and not be mean. And that being nice didn't mean being quiet because that's all I'd known. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that it empowers people, whether you're going through divorce or you're terrified of partnership because you don't want to have this potentially happen to you, that when we choose ourselves, when tough things arise, because a lot of people are going through divorce that they didn't expect, like myself, Um, when you have those tough times arise, choosing yourself is what helps you get through it. It's not what causes the tough things to happen. It's the evidence that when life, life, that we can get through it because we know that we have ourselves, our wisdom and our experience to get us through. There's the line. Choosing yourself is what helps you get through it. Amazing. Golden golden and it's what you said I mean it's the whole conversation from the beginning I'm not going through a divorce I know a lot of people are right now so I think this topic is is huge for so many but watching you go through this is the boundaries piece but in a whole new way like choosing yourself by setting different boundaries than you ever had before in this relationship that you've been in for all those years and it feeling uncomfortable because they're not used to that but having to choose yourself because you know what's good for your your own mental health and well-being in that moment in time and not letting that slide, I think, was everything for you. 
but it's it's new for the other person and so it's it's going to be difficult but you have to like you both said keep choosing you I think that's amazing mm-hmm. oh, take a deep breath <laughs> the other thing about that too that I you chat about so much in your book so beautifully is that idea of perfectionism too mm-hmm. and I think so many people in relationships fall into that vein of perfectionism like I can't end this because it'll mean that I've failed or that I'm imperfect. Mm -hmm. And of course that goes into everything else into life too, but not to tell your own story, but like when you were starting to enter into this period of divorce, you're like, and you had been married to my dad prior. This is your second marriage. You're like, I can't have two failed marriages. Mm -hmm. How could I be someone that's had two failed marriages? And that was like a piece for you that was really hard to get past. And from my perspective, that was like a perfectionism thing of like, one was fine, two, impossible. And so I think so long we get us get ourselves stuck in situations that might not be good for us because of our own views on perfectionism or what we think is perfect. And I think too, before, before Yasmin answered, I think too, to, to piggyback on that is you're exactly right, Michelle, because I think then the other thing was what Yasmin was saying earlier, like uh, not not listening to the, the other, other people's advice because they don't know. And so people were saying to me all the time, they only know what they see on the outside. They don't know. Any, no, we never know what's happening behind closed doors of any person's life. So there was a huge bombardment toward, toward this whole idea that, oh, come on, this, 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 it'll all be okay. He's going to come to his senses or whatever it was. It'll all be okay. And then, then you guys can go on living this happy, wonderful life. And I'd go home and I'd think, Oh, what, what, what is, what is really wrong with me? Cause you're right, Michelle. I think that was the day that I really came to you and said, I can't do this twice. So I think that perfectionism, because I am a recovering perfectionist, perfectionism is in my DNA. I think that is a really beautiful thing for you to talk about because I think I know a lot of people that are in that same camp and it's really hard if you have perfectionistic tendencies and are not okay with what's happening in your life, especially when it's something like this. Absolutely. And I think perfectionism, um, we'd rather be perfect than let people know that we need help. Uh, Perfectionism also shows up in situations like divorce where we suffer silently. Everybody knows that I'm failing. I'm not going to let them know that I'm failing badly. I'm going to think that I'm failing fabulously, that I'm handling this divorce amazingly. So there's also that part that shows up. Mm. And I think, too, when we think about um, society in the way that they talk about, because because men don't get this when it, when they get divorced. A man could be divorced four times and they're like, and look at him with his new wife. And so I think specifically I'm saying that for women, the, the idea that it's been twice, um, society says things about that. And I love to reframe that into, I can't believe in the hardest circumstances possible that I chose myself two times. Oh, I love that. That two times I could have decided to just suffer through what was uncomfortable for me or to just be silent that I decided it's not too late to start again, that it's not too late to do something new, that it's not too late to live my best life. I mean, I think that that is how we have to quiet our inner perfectionist who's trying to tell us through the voices of other people that perfectionist is not us. It sounds like us because it's coming in our, (laughs) we hear it. But these are the voices that other people, this is the language that other people have said, oh, you know, if you fail, if you divorced, you, you, you failed. If 
you know, if this doesn't happen, you failed when truly there are so many people who are in relationships, whether married or not, who are there not because they love each other and they're committed to each other, but because they are afraid of what people will say if they are honest. And I'm not saying that you should go get divorced today or that you should break up today. That's not what I'm saying. It could just be you need to have a conversation with your partner and learn how to be in a committed relationship in a way that really aligns with what you both both need. Your partner might be feeling the same thing. Sometimes we're afraid to just say, hey, can we do something different? Because we're going to grow. We're going to grow apart. Marriage is about learning how to grow together when we grow apart. That's going to happen. Not every marriage survives the different ebbs and flows. But I want you to ask yourself, am I staying in relationships, commitment, friendships, familial relationships, solely because I'm afraid of what other people will say about me if I walk away? And if that answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, are you truly committed from a place of love and a place of wanting to be there? Or are you choosing to push through and suffer through for fear of what people will say and do? And I'm sure for a lot of folks, you know, when people find out about divorce, oh my God, it's been a long time that you've already been uncomfortable. When friendships end, there's been repetitive projections and and conversations and little things that have happened that led to that point. When you decide not to talk to a parent, there's usually been years of things. So reminding yourself, everybody else thinks, I can't believe this is happening so suddenly. The perfectionist in you feels the projection of that comment. And you have to remind yourself, this is not sudden for me. And and just like Barb was saying, like they don't know what's going on. That's what we mean. The things that have been repetitively taking place that people are casting a judgment on, even though they're probably not trying to intentionally hurt you, that are causing you to question whether you're doing the right thing. And that's something that only you can decide for yourself. And that's something that you're going to have to repeat to yourself when that perfectionist, that inner perfectionist tries to show up. Mm. Beautiful. I... Wow. I'm going to have to re-listen to this whole episode. I'm going to have to like download it in my phone and just listen over and over and over again because everything you said is just so meaningful for both of us. And I, this happens every single time we talk to you, but like, I feel like we could do this. We could chat for hours. So we'll definitely have to have you back if you would be willing. Um, Love to. But as we close, I would love for you to just share a little bit because you talk about the importance of community in self-care and how oftentimes the practice of healing and self-care leaves us feeling very insular. And Mm -hmm. having a community is that piece that we need to feel that wholeness and healing. And I know after pandemic years and everything going on, we've been very isolated. So what would you say to people who are looking for that community, but are struggling with like, what do I need to do to find that community that's for me? Yeah. And I think um, this is a perfect ending to everything I just shared, because when you're going through tough times, that's when you need community the most. I also just want to share, like, again, if you haven't gone through divorce or if you haven't gone through something like this, this applies to all relationships. So don't feel like, oh, I'm not going through divorce. I don't know. It can apply to anything you're going through. But specifically with community, um, I think it's so important that like we spend time in places with like-minded folks 
that we slide into DMs. I mean, like with Michelle, for example, you know, we haven't met in real life yet, but like we had a lot of stuff in common. We were chatting in DMs and then we ended up sharing our number and we just ended up texting and talking. And I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to find a partner on Instagram or to be partnered. And we put a lot of pressure on our romantic relationships sometimes, sometimes the same ways that society may talk about finding a partner is the same that we way that we can build community friendships. And so going to the yoga class, going to the meditation thing in the park. And this is the hard part. Sometimes you have to go solo. You may not have people in your life already who are interested in doing those kinds of things. And you may have to go and do the hard thing and get to know people without knowing how it's going to turn out. And it's, it's a risk and it's hard. Um, and especially if you're healing and you've lost a lot of folks, I know that it can feel incredibly lonely, but definitely look for ways to put yourself in rooms. That's the biggest advice I could give in rooms with people who are interested in the same things you're interested in. Use the same language you use so that when you show up, you know that you're connecting with people who are like minded, who are going to respect the same values you have and using your discernment to choose the people that connect best. And the last thing I'll mention is, if you only have one or two good friends in your life, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that we think we have to have several, eight. You know, we see people with like, oh, she has 10 bridesmaids. No shade to that. I think that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, if you have two good friends and if you actually only have one good friend, it's, it's hard to find just one good solid person that you can trust and that you respect and that you can rely on. So don't go looking for quantity when you already have two quality folk in your life spend time with the relationships that are already showing up for you and continue to build in other areas as well man is there anything is there anything else anything else that you um would want to share with us that was like from the book it's it was just genius everything is so it's so profound i'm like speechless i'm and and i just want to say something what you just described about how your and Michelle's relationship, the, I, the, the whole workings of that is, inc- is just so beautiful and so like organically easy. And look, the, I mean, I just love the relationship and the friendship the two of you have. And it just, you didn't know each other at all. So it's, it's so possible. Like the possibilities are endless. The opportunities are endless out there, especially with this whole social media I think the thing is like, stay open and don't try and force things. Like, you know, you don't, I think don't try and be like, oh, I need to become best friends with this person, but like follow how you feel when, like you said, when you're with someone or when you're interacting with someone, even if it's online and that's how it was for us. Like we would DM back and forth and it was just like, oh, I feel like I already know this person, even though I just met her on social media and that's how it organically unfolded. And it was just like being open to whatever comes through, which is just a beautiful way to make friends. So I'm so grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very grateful, grateful for, for you. you. And thank you for having me today. We're so grateful for you to spend so much time chatting with us because I think this episode, I just know it's going to be a hit. I'm going to download it a million times because you shared so much important information for all of us at this period of time. And I think that everything that you said is such a gift. So thank you so much. Thank you. The sugar jar is such a gift. It yes. Went, it, I read it in December. I'm going to read it again. Read it a little bit before this podcast again. It It is truly a gift. It is such a beautiful gift, Yasmin, that you've given to the world. 
and I am very grateful for you. I'm so, I'm so touched that I know you. Like I just, I have goosebumps just thinking about you because I just, I'm going to cry. Oh, there she goes. No, it's really, this episode has been so amazing and your book is revolutionary. And I think you said it beautifully today, the idea that your language and your experiences and your ways of trying to help people heal and find the, you know, finding those exciting moments in life and that joy and those sweet things. That's one of the taglines in your book is, is something that I, I think can be elusive for a lot of us. And you've really made it accessible and not just accessible, but that we deserve to have this and we can have this as a, as a, as an ordinary human beings, because we are all just ordinary human beings, we can find the sweet things in life and really become extraordinary, which is what we're meant to become. Yeah. So I love it. I love you. I just love you. Thank you. Love you both. Thank you love for having you. me Love you. Thank you so much for being with us. Make sure that you are following Yasmin on social media at Yasmin Cheyenne. We'll link everything in the show notes to find her. Of course, make sure you grab your copy for you and all of your best friends from two to eight. Um, the sugar jar. Amazing. It's a great, great gift to give your friends and you're going to just have so many revelations. So we'll have that in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for being a part of this amazing community. We're so grateful for all of you for listening week in, week out. If you haven't yet, make sure you give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. And if you haven't already, leaving us a, a nice little review means so much to us as well. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, please make sure you're connected to us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. That's where you can submit questions, concerns, comments, and potential podcast topics. Thank you again for listening. Thanks for being with us. And we'll chat with you next week because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.